Hello, I'm Chloe, and I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 11. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Thanks for reading, Chloe. <clears throat> My name's Peter, I'm one of the elders here. Um, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, you must increase, we must decrease. Lord, we are channels. Um, Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me today. Um, help me to speak clearly your word and help it to challenge and build us up. In Jesus' name, we pray. We don't need to look too far to know that the world is messed up. You see it in the news, we read it online. Always seem to get bad news. Look at the state of the US at the moment, the state of COVID and what it's doing to the world. The world is messed up. <clears throat> Last year was a strange and difficult year. Hundreds of thousands were sick. Many died. Many jobs were lost. I don't need to go on. We're in a new year and we all need something to look forward to. We need some hope, we need something to cling on to. And as Christians, the greatest day we have to look forward to is the day of the Lord. This is the day when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom on earth. And we live with him forever and he will make everything new. We read in Revelation where it says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. What a wonderful picture that is. Picture of God himself saying, I will, I will dwell with them. They're my people. They're my family. 
And that is the day we have to look forward to, the beautiful, wonderful day of the Lord. In this passage we're looking at today, Paul is encouraging the Christians in Thessalonica. See, this church was a new church plant from Paul and his team. It mainly consisted of Gentile Christians. And Thessalonica was a major seaside port which attracted people from other parts of the world. In fact, when Paul made his journey to the city, he had a population of around 200,000, comprising mainly Greeks. There was a large Roman population and a strong Jewish minority. This mix of people brought many individual worldviews and religions, kind of like Australia today, like multicultural Australia. There were many ideas, many views on the world, many views on religion, and many gods. And Paul, unfortunately, had to leave under duress because they were offended at his teaching. Because Paul didn't mince words. Paul was teaching about the coming Jesus, the coming Messiah. And they were offended, so Paul had to leave, leave in a hurry. While he was gone, he was concerned about the new church. And so he sent Timothy to check on them and send back a report. And Timothy came back with a positive report to Paul. He said, they're doing great. They are, they're sticking with the faith. They're growing. But they have two questions I would like you to answer. And that's what prompted Paul to write this letter. The first question was to do with those who had died before Jesus' return. Would they remain in their graves and miss Jesus' coming? Well, Paul answers this question in chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, when he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Grief is a normal emotion after suffering the loss of a loved one. It's normal to feel sad. It's normal to feel sorrow because that person that we live with all of a sudden is not there. But that grief is not a long permanent process. See, death is an unknown thing and little is known about a person's state after death. And this can cause fear and sorrow for people that are dying or have died. I know many people that have, that have asked me and they're wondering what happens when we die. You know, I attended a funeral recently of a family member. They weren't Christians. It was a very sad time because to them that was final. You know, their loved one had died. They were never going to see them again. There was, there was heaviness at the funeral as if there was no hope. It's different for Christians, however, because we have hope in death because of the second coming of Jesus. Because he said back there in chapter 4 that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. So we will see our loved ones again. So we can have hope. We can have joy in that. 
And Paul was encouraging the church by reminding them that they can rejoice and have hope that they will see their loved ones again. The second question arose out of the concern that they might not be prepared for the return of Jesus. Would it take them unawares? The passage we're looking at today will address this question. Well, Paul begins by telling them that he doesn't need to write to them anymore about this subject than that he's already taught them. And that was, in the time of Jesus' return is not known, and it will come unexpectedly. Now, picture a thief wants to rob your house. So he calls you up and he says, Mike, I want you to go out on Tuesday night for dinner because I'm going to come and rob you. And, and I want you to leave the candle of the mat to make it easy for me. And I want you to leave all Quinn's jewelry out so I can take it. That's a pretty stupid thief. All right. A thief does not know when he's going to attack you or when he's going to go to his victim's house. And so the time of Jesus' return is not known. It will come like a thief in the night. The thing about coronavirus is that it caught the world by surprise. No one was expecting it. No one had, had any idea how to deal with it. And it destroyed many lives and is still destroying many lives. It's the same that many people will not be expecting the return of Jesus and will be unprepared. We read in Matthew 24, 43, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. If you knew the exact time and day that Jesus would return, how would you live your life? Would you live your life in carousing and riding and partying till the day before and then repent? Pretty sure some of us would. That's why God has kept the day and nobody knows when he'll return. See, people think they're living in safety and security with nothing to disturb their wonderful existence. They accumulate more stuff, they make themselves more comfortable, and they believe that the world will just continue on as it always has. Yes, we've got coronavirus, but that'll be temporary. I've set myself up, I've set my life up, I'm safe, I'm secure. And that's all that matters. Remember the parable of the farmer who said that he had that much of the world's goods, he'll tear down his barns and he'll build bigger barns. And he'll have goods laid up for many years. And Jesus said to him, you fool, because tonight you'll die. Tonight you'll die. None of us know when our time will come. None of us. We are encouraged not to find security in possessions or money. 
or careers or anything else, but to look to the Lord and to serve him. God has become irrelevant to postmodern Australia. People have no sense of morality anymore. They live in, we live in a world where people just want to do what they want to do. As long as no one gets hurt, it's okay. That's one of the problems with our world today. That's why the world is so messed up. It's because people have, have no sense of morality. And while people are partying, while people are enjoying life, while people are, are, are out there having a good time, Paul warns that destruction will come upon them suddenly. Be careful, Luke says, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness and anxieties of life and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. It'll come on you like a trap. Now this warning is for non-believers. See, to non-believers, the day of the Lord is a time of judgment. God has said he will punish his enemies. God said he will punish sin. And he has a way of bringing down the most powerful people. God can bring down the most powerful world leader that, that sets himself up as God. So... If people continue in their sin, they continue to party and carouse, their sudden destruction will come because God will punish sin. There'll be no escape from that day. It will be a day of terror and there will be nowhere to hide. If you continue in sin and rebellion against God, you won't escape anywhere. To the believer, the day of the Lord will be a day of joy and happiness and anticipation as we see Jesus in person and live with him in his earthly kingdom. Imagine a world with no more pain, sickness, death, suffering or persecution. Through the sacrifice Jesus made for us, we are able to be part of his family. So we should never underestimate the crucifixion, Jesus' death on the cross, because through that one moment, he took our penalty, he took our punishment, he took our sin upon himself. And he said, now you are forgiven. And God remembers our sins no more. He doesn't remember our sins anymore because we have truly been freed. We have truly been redeemed. We have truly been made new. This truly is a day to look forward to. And this is how Paul encouraged the Christians in this church in Thessalonica. 
And this should be enough to spur us on to live for Jesus. This should be enough for us to to live for him and to become greater disciples. Because Paul says the day of the Lord should not surprise us as we are not in darkness. He says, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness. So this day should not surprise you as a thief. Not many thieves work in the daytime where there are loads of witnesses, loads of people around. But make no mistake, that day will come. As Jesus was ascending to heaven, standing on the beach with his disciples, he said to them, I will come back again. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'll come back again to set my kingdom up on earth. But sadly, I know some Christians that are anxious and afraid of missing out on this day. They wonder whether they're good enough. They wonder whether they've forgiven enough. Let me make this clear. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer, you should not be afraid of the return of Jesus. We should be looking forward to it with hope and anticipation. If we're living our lives to please and honour God, we will not face the judgment of non-believers. We should not be concerned about missing this day if we are prepared for it, because Jesus has saved us and given us eternal life. But it is possible, however, for Christians to be tempted to live as non-believers, particularly as the longer this day comes, takes to arrive, we can get caught up in carousing and drunkenness, we can get caught up in ungodly living. So Paul issues a warning to believers. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Particularly note verse 6. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober. The exhortation from Paul was to live like those who belong to the day. So how do we prepare for the day of the Lord? The first thing Paul says is put on faith and love. We should love one another as members of a family. Be willing to help each other when we see opportunities. When, when somebody is, is in need, can we help them? Do we go out of our way to meet their need? The Thessalonians were already doing this, so Paul encourages them to do it more as they've been taught by God to love each other. We've also been taught by God to love each other. So how are we doing with that? Are we loving each other? Are we encouraging each other? 
Are we helping each other out? To a brother and sister that's struggling, are we helping them out? Put on faith and love. See, faith is something that we cannot see, but we have faith in our God. We have faith in our Jesus that when he says he'll do something, he'll do it. Then he says, put on the hope of salvation. What does that mean? What does that mean? The world has no hope. Unbelievers have no hope. They don't know what's in the future. They're afraid. Many people that are terrified, they won't leave their homes at the moment. They don't know what's going to happen. The hope means that we trust and wait for something that has not yet been seen. That's what hope is. You know, you might be hoping for something right now. You might be hoping to get something. You're you're hoping you're going to get it, but you haven't yet seen it. So our hope is based on what is, what is to be seen. We patiently wait for its fulfilment. That's, that's the hope of salvation. We are waiting, we are hoping, and we are living for the fulfilment of God's promise that Jesus will return. And that is the fulfilment of our hope. Live to please God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 6, 11 and 12. A lot of these passages, living for God means to avoid sexual immorality. Avoid sexual immorality. I know sometimes it's easy to get caught up with sexual immorality, but we need to avoid it. Learn to control your own body. Your body belongs to God. You've got to learn to control it. Lead a quiet life. How many of us struggle with that? Leading a quiet life. This next one, I think, is a bit of a challenge for all of us. Mind your own business. That's basically what Paul's saying. Don't be a busybody. There are so many people that are running around trying to get the latest gossip for some reason or other because they, they just feel that they need to know. If it doesn't involve you, then don't worry about it. Mind your own business. Just... Focus on your relationship with God and your family. So to help us please the Lord, Paul says that we must arm ourselves with three basic Christian characteristics found in, in chapter 1, verse 3. 
He says it's our work produced by faith, our labour prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus. Are we producing good works through our faith? I know, I know we're not a, a religion of good works, but through our faith, we produce good works. And if we are pleasing God, then we, we will be producing those good works. Are we labouring for the Lord from love? When a church calls a working bee, are, you, are we there? If a brother or sister moving house, are we there to help them? Yes, it's labouring. But it's labouring for the Lord from a heart of love. And hope that produces patience. This is the long-suffering endurance needed to not only survive hard times, but to triumph through them. Sometimes it's not easy to be a Christian. I'm the first to admit that. We have difficult times. We have rough days. Sometimes we want to give up. Sometimes we just want to throw in the towel. We experience doubts and worry, anxiety. But we are called to endure. We are called to endure because of that hope. Because the hope of salvation produces patience. We are patiently waiting for the day of the Lord. Patiently waiting for the day when Jesus comes back. Be sober and awake. Been there. When we are involved in God's work and pleasing him, we have no time to be a busybody. We have no time because we are serving God. Mark 13 32 says, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. You can't possibly know. Jesus doesn't know. The angels don't know. Only God knows. And over the decades, many people have tried to, to predict it. They've tried to say, yes, I know when the end of the world is coming. They've failed every time. Because God has not revealed the day. He's just said, be sober and awake. We must be like an army in enemy territory. You just don't, don't know when the enemy will attack. And there are many times when, when the army is in the trenches and they have to be quiet because the enemy is not far away. They don't know when the attack will come. But the general says, be on guard. Stay awake. Stay alert. If the person on guard falls asleep, the enemy attacks and destroys them. We have an enemy more powerful than any army in the world. That's the devil himself. 
If we are not on guard, if we are not alert, if we are not watching, he will overtake us. He will pull us down. We must be alert and ready for the Lord. There's perseverance. Jude verse 17 says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up on your most holy faith and praying in the spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. So what does all that mean? We're living in a day of scoffers. We're living in a day where people live according to their own ungodly lusts and they love to mock those who want to please God. And it's not just, it's not just out there in the world. Sometimes it's fellow Christians. When you say you want to please God, they'll mock you. But Jude wants Christians to expect this kind of mocking so they won't be surprised by it. The moment you commit your life fully to Jesus, you'll get mocked for it. But be prepared. Persevere. People are out to divide the church. Sometimes these people who are out to divide the church are actually in the church. Christian Pharisees. They're so legalistic, they're so bound by rules and regulations that they can divide the church. So what should our response be? Our response should be to persevere by building up ourselves, by praying, keeping ourselves in God's love. These things are our responsibility. We need to firstly build ourselves up on our most holy faith. How do we do that? By praying in the Holy Spirit. By praying to God. Being merciful to those who doubt. I think a lot of Christians have doubts from time to time. We need to support them, pray with them, not judge them or accuse them. We need to have mercy on them. We need to have compassion on them. And there are those who need snatching from the fire. There are many people around us that don't know Jesus. They don't know God. And they are destined for destruction. They are destined for eternity separated from God in hell. 
Some of them are our colleagues. Some of them are our loved ones. And we can snatch them from the fire. This is how we please God. This is what God wants us to do to be prepared for his coming. The Bible says that when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find you faithful? Will he find you ready? I believe that we are in the last days and Jesus will return very soon. It's no surprise to us. As believers, we have the hope of salvation. We don't need to fear. We don't need to be anxious about that day because we've not been destined for the judgment that faces sinners. Paul concludes with an encouragement to all believers and he says, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. We've been saved from judgment through the death of Jesus and by believing in him. It's really a a day for us to look forward to. However, it's not the same for non-believers. That will be a day of terror that will come suddenly. If you know anybody that is not a believer, that's their fate. If you're not prepared for the day of the Lord, let me encourage you to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and be part of his wonderful family. Then you too can experience his salvation. You too can escape the terror that is to come. You can, if you're here, you can talk to Mike afterwards or one of us. If you're online and you'd like to know more, just pop us a line through our website and we'd be glad to talk to you. Church, let's be prepared. The day of the Lord is coming. Thank you.